New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, friends. Uh, It's good to be with you all today. Good to be able to share more of Joseph's life with you today. Thanks for listening. For a lot of us, we read through these chapters, uh, and we're hearing, we're reading very familiar passages, right? I mean, I am praying that we can hear them in a fresh way as we go through. Reading Genesis 42, verses 1 through 17, I'll be reading the New American Standard Bible. Chapter 42, verse 1, Now Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, and Jacob said to his sons, Why are you staring at one another? Now, just real quick. For me, phrases like that add credibility to Scripture. I mean, that is such a dad thing to say, right, to a bunch of his sons. They're all grown men now. They've got families. But he is still dad. Okay, verse 2. He said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from that place, so that we may live and not die. Then ten brothers of Joseph went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, I'm afraid that harm may befall him. So the sons of Israel came to buy grain among those who were coming, for the famine was in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the ruler over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. And when Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he disguised himself to them and spoke to them harshly. And he said to them, where have you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. But Joseph had recognized his brothers, although they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he had about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. And then they said to him, No, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. Yet he said to them, No, but you have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. But they said, Your servants are twelve brothers in all, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is with our father today, and one is no longer alive. And Joseph said to them, It is as I said to you, You are spies. By this you will be tested. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place Unless your youngest brother comes here, send one of you that he may get your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested, whether they are true or not. But if not, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them all together in prison for three days. We know from our vantage point, Joseph is the man chosen by God to fulfill his will for a nation yet to be. 
And what was going on in Joseph's mind, though? I mean, if we could possibly read this again for the first time and not know how it plays out, how would his response look to us? You know, maybe someone listening today is in that place. I mean, is he just messing with his brothers? When we read Scripture, we have to keep in mind the context, which includes the timeline. And we can read four or five chapters in 20 minutes, but those chapters can cover 20 years or 200 years times two, as we'll find out in just a few chapters. From Joseph's perspective, from his side of the decision tree, he had to manage the competing values of wanting to see his father again and his baby brother, his only full brother in the family, while at the same time having no idea what kind of men his older brothers had become. I mean, the last time he saw these guys was not a pleasant experience. Maybe they'd gone from horrible to worse. And if that were the case, how could he convince them to get their father and Benjamin to Egypt when they could just as easily say, oh, he's dead, they're all dead? I mean, they'd done that once before, right? Joseph was a smart guy, and he listened to God, and that's pretty much bomb-proof. He's one of only a handful of individuals, by the way, in the Old Testament about whom Scripture has nothing negative to say. I mean, you could say he was naive, talking to his family about his crazy dreams, young and insensitive to others' feelings, maybe. But guess what? They just bowed down. I mean, that just happened. Based on the character of Joseph that we've seen so far, we can trust his motives here. In the heat of confrontation that he wasn't expecting, and even if he was prepped, even if he'd been informed by his staff about the foreigners who wanted to buy grain, as a man, as a human being, surely he still had a river of emotions and memories to wade through. You know, I wonder if he was tempted to use his power and popularity to let the hammer fall on the guys who threw him in a pit, unleash a little shock and awe. Maybe. Surely the Satan was there too, knowing his enemy had plans for these people. I think this character issue is actually the main takeaway from this passage. And here's a quick test of character that we see in Joseph. One of the best tests of our character is most clearly revealed in the way that we treat those less powerful than ourselves. Let that soak for just a second. Character is most clearly revealed in the way we treat those less powerful than ourselves. That's God's character, right? I mean, everyone, everything is less powerful than God, and yet he forgives he pays debts he didn't owe. He guides us with grace going before us through those dark valleys. He uses conviction rather than condemnation to draw us rather than to drive us. He hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. He never fails in the character of his love. His character is revealed in every encounter and every provision. Just as Joseph's character was revealed as a trusted servant for Potiphar, 
It was revealed in the temptation from Potiphar's wife. It was revealed in his time as a trustee in prison, revealed in the seven years of plenty. Here it is again, revealed, standing in front of the men who sold him into slavery and gave him up for dead. And as for us, our character will be revealed as well. Probably not in these circumstances, but for sure, life will reveal our character. Pastor Brady's father-in-law, Amy's dad, used to say, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. And Joseph, in this encounter with his brothers, drew from a deep well of godly character instilled and refined through years of adversity, years of opportunity, of obedience, of reflection, and years of practice, just to name a few character-defining and refining experiences. So what's a takeaway for us from Joseph's first encounter with his brothers after so many years? What can we learn based on these few verses? I mean, we'll discover more later, but from these verses, how can we be different today in our character-revealing moments? Well, today, certainly sometime this week, our character will be revealed in how we treat those less powerful than ourselves. At some point in the next day or two, we'll have to choose to make excuses for our responses to those less powerful or reflect God's grace to those less powerful. I'm pretty sure God will give you this opportunity very soon. The choice will be yours and your character will be revealed. Another takeaway Character development always includes adversity. Always. I mean, don't think your suffering is for nothing. And don't think you can learn it well some other way. God is working in your heart and mind and spirit through these times in ways that will not happen otherwise. I mean, there were years in Joseph's life when he might have felt lost to God, abandoned by God. There were years as a slave, years as a prisoner, years of long, hard days as CEO of Egypt Incorporated, and all the headaches that must have uh, had to deal with as the CEO of that country. I mean, we don't have to look for adversity. It will find us this side of heaven. It's called the fall. And the question is, Will we allow God to use that adversity to grow us into the woman or man of sterling character he will use for his highest good? Once again, in that, you get to choose. Now, I've heard it said so many times, character is who you are when nobody's looking. And I get that. There's truth in that. But if your character is based entirely on whether or not you're being supervised, you may be on probation. And I think there's another level of character development. That's the one Joseph revealed in this passage. Certainly character can be revealed in who you are when nobody's looking, but your true character is revealed when you aren't looking. When what's deep in that well of life overflows into circumstances no one would blame you for handling with brute force or shock and awe, with anger or disregard for another human being. 
That's a level of character development, of character refinement that that surprises even you. I mean, when you walk away and you look back at the way that you handled that and you think, that wasn't me, that was the Lord. Joseph could have made these guys disappear. And some people standing there might say that they had it coming. But his godly character, refined in the adversities he endured, developed to a level even Joseph may have been surprised to experience. That character is connected to a pathway of redemption and restoration that, in a very real sense, we can follow all the way down to our redemption and restoration today. Hey, thanks again for listening. It's been good to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.